two dim-witted brothers dream of owning their own dance club, or at least getting into the coolest and most exclusive club in town, the Roxbury. This is Ryan. And this is Ashley. And this is Ruining Ruining Our Our Childhood. Childhood. Hey guys. Hi. Welcome back. To Ruining Our Childhood. Another great episode. Yeah. Well, we don't even know yet. I can see the future. It's going to be great. It could be a horrible episode. They wouldn't know. (laughs) We wouldn't know. No. They will know at the end. They're going to go, you really oversold it, Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) This week, we're doing the 1998 classic the night at the roxbury we had a poll it was saturday night live movies Mm -hmm. skits made into movies some of the lesser known ones i guess well i guess they did make it's pat a movie that would be a lesser known one that would be a deep cut yeah i think the only snl skit movie that i consider to be very popular is wayne's world yes yeah. I think everything else is just trying to be the next Wayne's World, right? Agreed. But I agree with you. This was my wheelhouse. I was a huge watcher of SNL. I was super excited to go see this. Mm-hmm. I saw it three times in theaters. Oh, man. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yes. It's always nice to hear new facts about my husband of thousand years. Yeah. I forgot how many years we were married. thousand years. Yeah. That's an accurate... <laughs> time period or or 11 yeah do you want to hit us with a fact and then we'll talk about what we chose yeah quick fact it was released on october 2nd of 1998 i was a wee little 13 year old yeah yeah we were so young yeah i don't Uh, think i saw this in theaters by the way but um what was your fun fact of 1998 so 1998 was the birth of A very important television show for for our age group, Total Request Live. You stole my fact. Yes. I was waiting for it to happen. I'm a little surprised it took this long, but also not surprised that it was this one. I was looking through all the facts, and there a lot of stuff happened in 1998. Mm-hmm. Bill Clinton, Monica Lewinsky scandal bunch of other things yeah that's the only thing i could name <laughs> bunch of other things <laughs> yeah one thing <laughs> there was a lot of stuff but yeah this i just thought was an accurate fact for me at the time of 1998 because i loved trl i did as well did you watch the precursor the just total request where it was carson daly in like a black studio i Com- did actually okay. yeah i always remember Natalie and Bruglia Torn always being like the number one song. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I did watch a little MTV Live. Yeah, which was another kind of precursor to it. Yeah, and yeah. it kind of just merged them. Yeah. Yeah. I will say when I was a teenager, when I got off of school, I'd go home and I'd watch this show yeah. pretty much every day, especially in like seventh and eighth grade. Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely did the same exact thing. Um, I think I started getting kind of annoyed with it when I got a little older. Mm-hmm. Like when I was junior, senior, I remember I would watch it, but then I'd started hate watching it because the videos that would be at number one, 
it'd be music I wasn't into anymore. Yeah. Because I was definitely going through my like, I like alternative music and only alternative music mm-hmm. phase. So when the number one would be just, you know, whatever the big pop song was, I'd be like, ugh, so lame. Yeah. I would occasionally catch it when I was in college. Yeah. I thought to myself, I am too old to be watching this because I didn't know really any of the acts that were being interviewed or the music videos weren't on my radar at that point. Also, Carson Daly had left. He left in 2003. Yeah. And it's kind of crazy to me. So the run of the show was from 1998 to 2008. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like, first of all, I think it's just that kid memory where you feel like things are on longer mm-hmm. or you watch stuff longer than you actually did. And that's definitely my memory of TRL that I watched it for years. And I probably only watched it for like two or three years. Same. Like religiously. Yeah. I was pretty into it for about three years, but then I got a job. Yeah. And I stopped right? watching. Yeah. I wasn't going to record that shit. <laughs> so... Fun fact, the number one song the first episode was I'll Never Break Your Heart by the Backstreet Boys. Nice. And then to further prove how out of touch I was, the last song that was number one on a regular episode was October 16th of 1998. And the song was She Got Her Own by Neo featuring Jamie Foxx and Fabulous. Nice. So. I also chose this because we recently watched the Woodstock 99 uh, mini documentary mm-hmm. on HBO Max, which was really interesting. And they do point out that at the time, TRL was very successful, but it was also seen as just mostly 12-year-old girls love that show, yeah. which, guess what I was. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and and that they, like, when Carson Daly was at Woodstock 99, they were, like, throwing bottles at him because it was, like, you know, the audience of Woodstock 99 was completely different yes anti-pop i think they called it new metal was a lot of the music it was your kid rock and limpus angry white boy music it's a really (laughs) it's a really good documentary and dave holmes was on it which kind of made me think like i should do trl this Mm -hmm. week but yeah also the fact we were talking about this with our our friend when we went out to the bar the other night like that they tried to blame MTV, partly blame MTV for the destruction and yes. the chaos that happened. Yes. And by they, I mean the promoters and the people that put on the festival. Mm-hmm. And then they also tried to blame like Fred Durst and... And Anthony Kiedis. And Anthony Kiedis. And I'm like, well, yeah, they didn't help. But yeah. poor planning, poor... just It was just a combination of so many things. My thing was, I, I liked Limp Bizkit. I, I have nothing against Fred Durst to this day. I, <laughs> I do. I have you several see, things. <laughs> uh, there was a picture, actually, that popped up of him yesterday. He shared it. Uh, CNN covered it. He has hair now, like a full head of hair. Oh, good for him. And he's very gray. But the promoters wanted Fred Durst to go out there and try to calm the people down, which I would assume would have went something like, hey, guys, we're getting a little too out of control. Right. Can you stop? Which, you're going to say that to a sea of men that are in mosh pits, and how do you think that would have been received? Do you think they all would have went, oh, that's a good point. We're just going to sit down here on the ground and just take a breather. Yeah. No, no. they're going to go crazier. They're going to boo him. Yes. So I'm like, he had to kind of stick with his persona of who he was, Mm -hmm. which was the 90s, like, 
fuck everybody. Yeah. He he had to maintain his, like you said, persona. And there was no way it was going to end well. Yeah. If he did try to calm people down. Like, no. it, it wouldn't have mattered, I think, at that point. Yeah. But anyway. Yes. We kind of diverged. Did you want to say anything else about TRL? Or did you want to? I forget some of the people that hosted it. Like Hillary Burton, who obviously went on to One Tree Hill fame. And they had the guy from laguna beach on the later seasons i just i I really remember carson and dave they were always my favorite yeah that's true and i totally forgot they tried to revive it a couple years ago yeah but with sway oh yeah i I remember sway Sway, yeah i also i remember when they would just a sea of people would clog times square yes it had been so dangerous (laughs) well not that much different from like the today show and such Fair point. Yeah. Okay. What else are people going to do in 1998? (laughs) Other than go home and watch TRL, I guess. But if you live in New York, why not go down there? The funny thing is, is it was on the second or third story of a building. So you'd be standing out there with a sign and at most they would come over and wave. Yeah, but I, I wonder if they had a screen or something where you could watch it too. Oh, okay. Like they had their own TV screen. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And I think there was sometimes the bands would perform outside. I definitely remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or they'd go out there and do interviews or mm-hmm. what what not. Yeah. And it was the creation of the I want to give a shout out to my friends. <laughs> Which is the thing I hated about the show because sometimes I just wanted to watch the fucking video. Yeah. And then in the middle of the video they're just like um, my name is Stacy, and I want to say hi to my friends in Connecticut. You know who you are. Thank you. Bye. And then they would always woo at the end. Woo! Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I'd be like, I just wanted to watch this Britney Spears video. Why are you interrupting Hanson? <laughs> so let's get into if we think Annette of the Roxbury is going to hold up, because we have not watched the movie yet. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Unfortunately. I'm going to say I don't think it's going to hold up. I think the jokes, maybe it, they're going to fall a little flat. I, I remember the movie not being as funny as I wanted it to be. It's almost like four-minute skit. It should just be a four-minute skit. Yeah. But I agree that's going to be my prediction, too. Mm-hmm. When was the last time you watched this movie? Oh, man. I'm going to say it's been 20 years. Okay. I'm trying to think. I think I've only seen it twice, maybe. Mm-hmm. I was not as big of a fan as, obviously, you were, yeah. apparently. Will Ferrell played so many amazing characters yes. that I just loved. But I remember having it on VHS and watching it a few times on VHS, but I know I don't own it on DVD, so that's why I say it's got to have been 20 years. Okay. But, yeah. I hope I'm wrong. I hope we watch it and just go, this was delightful. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't remember any of the jokes. I know they're idiots. Mm-hmm. So I think for me as an adult, that might wear thin on me. It's kind of like the Dumb and Dumber. Is that going to start getting old? Like, we get it, they're idiots. Mm-hmm. So I'm worried about that. It seems like that could very much happen. Like, yeah. it's going to be exhausting. Which I, again, I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> me too. Yeah. Um, but I'm excited to see this movie because, again, I probably haven't seen it since 1999. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Where can you stream it? I don't know, man. I didn't mm. even look it up. Oh, man. You can't stream it, correct? I don't believe so. You can 
definitely rent it on Prime. So you can stream it. Yes. But it's but I mean, not free. Not free. That's what I meant by you can't stream it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, me too, because I asked you the question. <laughs> so you can rent it, or if you own it, good for you. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Where did you get that copy? I don't know. 1998? Cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Where'd you get that copy? I don't know. 1998? Cool. <laughs> it was just a conversation you had. <laughs> With myself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Let's go ahead and hit that posse pause, man. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> what day is it? Yeah, we'll go ahead and hit that posse pause. Come back and talk about a night at the Roxbury. Okay, and we're back. We just finished watching A Night at the Roxbury. And we're going to go ahead and break down our movie with our categories. Like we always do. And our first category is, well, hello there. Well, hello there. Where we talk about any cameos of famous or recognizable actors or actresses that we forgot were in the movie. And who did you notice? The first one is Will Ferrell. You may know him from a lot of things. Anchorman. Elf. Coming up, he's going to be on the Apple TV series, The Shrink Next Door, with Paul Rudd, which I'm excited about. Yeah, I kind of actually forgot he was going to be in that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he plays Steve Butabi, mm-hmm. one of the brothers. Yes. And then the other brother is Doug Butabi, played by Chris Kattan, probably most famous for being on Saturday Night Live. Right. And also was the star of Corky Romano, which we will absolutely be doing for this podcast at some point. And then you looked up a trailer for a movie called House Guest, which... Or Guest House? Guest House? Is I don't that what know. it is? It has know, guys. Amy Teagarden from Friday Night Lights, Polly Shore. A favorite of the pod. Yes. Polly Shore. And Steve O was in it. Yeah. Yeah. Chris Catan was barely in the trailer. Yeah. It also looked like it could be watchable. It looks like it should have been made 15 years ago, but also. Yeah, like we could watch it. Yeah. It's probably not going to be great. No, it won't be great. But you know what? Polly Shore underrated maybe no <laughs> i don't know that i would say underrated i i enjoy, i think there's parts of him i enjoy like there are when we rewatched a couple of his movies so far i think there's times where i'm like okay yes i understand the appeal of him i felt that way after in the army now yes he because, wasn't terrible yes yeah and if you want to hear us discuss Polly shore more who's not in this movie by the way no <laughs> Listen to the multiple episodes we've done. More to come. Yes. My next one is Jennifer Coolidge. She plays Hottie Cop. Mm -hmm. If there's one thing I can tell you about this movie is a lot of the female characters don't have actual names. Mm -hmm. You may know Jennifer Coolidge from American Pie, Legally Blonde, and she's more recently in the HBO. I don't know if it's HBO or HBO Max. The series The White Lotus. Okay. Cool, cool. I saw she's going to be in a movie with J-Lo as well called Shotgun Wedding. She's great in everything she does. Very good character actress, Mm -hmm. for sure. My next one was credited in the credits as Michael Big Mike Duncan. Sure. You might know him as Academy Award-nominated actor Michael Clark Duncan. He was in Green Mile. He plays a bouncer in this movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was also in Talladega Nights. His last acting role was The Challenger, 
which came out in 2015. He actually passed away back in 2012. Yeah. Long time ago. That's crazy. Yeah. I don't feel like it was that long ago. No. But Mm-mm. time flies. Yeah. Who? My next one is a cameo or somebody that's playing themselves. Richard Grieco plays himself. The role he was born to play. <laughs> Famously known to be in 21 Jump Street, the TV series. Mm-hmm. And he had... A small part in 22 Jump Street where he didn't play himself. I think he played like a drug dealer. Yeah. But that was a fun cameo too. Mm-hmm. He was in a <laughs> Ashley and Rye Rye favorite, Veronica Mars. Yes. He plays the Dean's wife's ex-husband. Yes. Who murders Sheriff Lamb. Spoiler alert for anybody that's never watched yes. Veronica Mars. You should get on that, by the way. Yeah. 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 My next one was Lonnie Anderson. Yes. She plays Barbara Butavi, mm-hmm. uh, Doug and Steve's mother. Uh, Lonnie Anderson famously was in WK and our, our WKRP in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. More recently was on an episode of Baby Daddy. I literally wrote that too yeah. because she hasn't acted in a couple of years. Probably she doesn't need to. I was going to say, at some yeah. point you don't need to. Yeah. Um, my next one is Dan Hedea. Mm-hmm. Uh, he plays... Kamel Butabi, mm-hmm. the father of the dummies. How <laughs> dare you? Of Doug and Steve. Obviously played Cher's dad in Clueless. Mm-hmm. He uh, more recently was in The Mindy Project and Gotham. And I, apparently he was in Fantastic Beast and Where to Find Them. And I don't remember him being in that. I, maybe he voiced something. Oh, that's a good know. point. I'm trying to think. Yeah. I haven't seen it in a couple of years, but Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I think I'd remember that because I always loved him in Clueless. Yeah. Yeah. He's he fantastic. plays a good angry father, which he is not really that different does. from this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Next, I have Molly Shannon. Yes. She plays Emily Sanderson, who, spoiler alert, uh, almost marries Steve. Right. Molly Shannon, famously on SNL for a lot of years, starred in the movie Superstar, which was a based on Mary Catherine Gallagher, one of her SNL characters. And more recently, or coming up, actually, she is going to voice one of the characters in Hotel Transylvania, Transformania, the fourth one, which I know from talking to my nephew, he is super excited about it. About Molly Shannon or just about that movie? No, just Hotel Transylvania. He's (laughs) beyond excited about that coming out. Uh, She's also in that White Lotus show as well. Nice. It's got a lot of people. It's got Connie Britton, the one lady from Insecure's in it. Okay. The one that we find extra hilarious. hilarious. Yeah. The one friend. I can't remember her name. I can't remember her name either. Um, you pointed out, man, Molly Shannon quietly been in everything. Yeah. Holy crap. I think if I was an actor, I would definitely want to be somebody that was like always working, mm-hmm. but somebody that wasn't like super duper famous to wear, like, like, not say super duper famous, because I think most people would be like, oh, that's Molly Shannon. Yeah. But just somebody that's not, like, on the radar of, let me always talk about you in a negative way, like paparazzi and mm-hmm. gossip. Yeah. Like, have you ever heard anything bad about Molly Shannon? God, I or hope Or, like, not. Lisa Kudrow. You know, no. like, yeah. people that just are like, I'm going to work. Mm-hmm. And everybody likes working with me. She's like, uh, like a Matt Walsh. Yeah. He's in every comedy you've ever seen mm-hmm. and just a delightful watch. person. Um, my next one is Lachlan Monroe. Mm-hmm. 
He plays Craig, who is one of uh, Steve and Doug's friend. You may know Lachlan Monroe. Most recently, we did Scary Movie. He was in that. Mm-hmm. And uh, more recently, in Riverdale. Yes. Next, I have Marie Cheatham. Mm-hmm. She played Molly Shannon's mother. She was in Beetlejuice back in the day. Yeah. She was in Wedding Singer, which mm-hmm. we've done a, for the podcast, and also was on a bunch of episodes of Baskets with Zach Alphanakis. Yeah. I, I didn't write her down, but I'm like, I'm pretty sure we've talked about her on the podcast, and it was The Wedding Singer. Yeah. My next one is Meredith Scott Lynn. She plays just named Credit Vixen. Oh, good. <laughs> She's, uh, what I recognized her from was Legally Blonde. She plays one of the students that Reese Witherspoon's character, Elle, mm-hmm. Elle Woods, mm-hmm. like I don't know her name, becomes friends with, and she has like a study group with her at Harvard. And then she's, more recently, she's been in a lot of episodes of Days of Our Lives. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Next, I have Chaz Palmateri. Palmateri, yeah. He plays Mr. Zadir, who is the club owner. He owns the Roxbury and some other clubs. He also just keeps saying, did you just grab my ass? <laughs> uh, I did not know. I, I recognized him, yeah. but he was nominated for an Academy Award for the movie Bullets Over Broadway okay. in uh, 1994. He was also in A Bronx Tale with yes. Robert De Niro and more recently was on an, on an episode of Law and Order Organized Crime. Yeah. Um, my next one is Colin Quinn. Mm-hmm. He plays a character named Dewey. Yes. Sure. Colin Quinn's more famously known for SNL. Mm-hmm. He did the weekly update for a couple of years. Yep. Um, and he's a stand-up. He's had a bunch of specials. He had his own show on Comedy Central for a while. Tough crowd. Yes. Love that show. He was in Trainwreck as far as movies. That oh, was okay. like the last one he was in, I nice. think. Nice. I think uh, in Hubie Halloween. Oh. Yep. Yeah. You're right. Mm-hmm. 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 My next one was Elisa Donovan. Yes. She played Camby, who was a girl that Doug hooks up with. Yes. Yes. Correct. She was in Clueless, which did for the podcast. Yes. Sabrina. Yes. And uh, more recently, an episode of Melissa and Joey. She hasn't acted in a few years. Yeah. Random. Mm-hmm. And there are a couple of Clueless alumni in here because it is produced by Amy Heckerling, who wrote and directed Clueless. Mm-hmm. Um, also, another person from Clueless, uh, Twin Kaplan, makes a cameo. <laughs> she plays a floral customer. More famously known for Miss Geist in Clueless, the teacher that they set up with uh, Sean. Wallace Sean. Wallace Sean. Mm-hmm. I always want to say Sean Wallace. Because <laughs> honestly, name. that would make more sense. Yeah. And more recently was in Feud, the Betty and Joan tv show you know what else she was in what community she was britta's dance teacher yes yeah blew my mind Uh uh-huh my next one was the very definition of a cameo of a real famous person and that was eva mendez yeah popping up as a bridesmaid this was actually her first ever role wow on a movie nice yeah um eva mendez was in the movie hitch with will smith once Upon a Time in Mexico with Johnny Depp. Uh, her last action, acting credit was Lost River back in 2014. But yeah, like not, we said, uh, married to Ryan Gosling, or at least with him. I don't know if they're married. I don't know if they got married. But yeah, they've been together forever. And But another person, like we've mentioned a couple times, where I, I just assume they've been acting, but they 
smart. Yeah. But does she really need to, is the question. We always go with the Cameron Diaz as yeah. our example, because Cameron Diaz hasn't acted in a few years, and we didn't notice. Not in We're a like, bad way. Not in a bad it's, way it's at all. It's almost We're just like, like, yeah. oh, like her last movie came out last year. No, that was seven years ago. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, not in a bad way at all. Yeah. We're like, oh, cool. Um, my last one is Mark McKinney mm-hmm. plays the priest at uh, Steve and Emily's wedding. Mark McKinney most famously is from The Kids in the Hall, which is a Canadian sketch show that they're actually doing another season of. Oh, okay. Um, and also Superstore, which is one of our favorites. Yes. If you've never seen it, it's quite hilarious. It's a real good fun watch. Yeah. Yeah. And he was on SNL as well. I didn't know that. When? He was on probably the season before this movie came out. Oh. I think he was only there for a year. Oh, okay. I just remember him from the episode when Jim Carrey hosted, and he did one of the Roxbury skits, and Mark McKinney was in it with Doug and Steve. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. hmm Do you want to take a quick break, and we'll come back and continue what we're doing? <laughs> Sounds fantastic. Okay. Okay, and we're back. The next category is called Kids Would Call It a Throwback. We call it the prime of our teens, where we talk about fashion, dated references, any offensive jokes, any technology that we see. Fashion. Oh, there, there there's some, some doozies. doozies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> Obviously, they wear like what their signature suits were in the skits, mm-hmm. like those metallic, bold colors. Yeah, like one of them's always in like a nice blue, but it's kind of shiny, yeah. and they wear a t-shirt it's instead called, of a dress shirt. Metallic. Metallic. Yeah, that was my. And, and jewel tones. Yes, but they also were some other interesting choices, like when they're gonna go work at their dad's plant shop. They're wearing skin-tight, black, see-through shirts. They're what I would assume, like, club kids from the 90s were wearing. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, just the fact that they were wearing that to go work at a, a fake floral shop. Yes. Which, is that a thing? I guess. It was a very nice shop. It was. In a nice part of Los Angeles, too. And also, apparently, the shop is doing quite well because they live in a really nice house. Yeah. I was I thinking questions. the same thing. I was going, how much money do you really make running a fake plant shop? Because your, like, guest house is nicer than most people's houses. Right. Um, oh, movies. Hmm. I did, like, Vivica and Camby's, which is Elisa Donovan's character. They meet them at a club, but... In the second scene that they see him in, they're both wearing these very metallic... Something you would see from Clueless, Yeah, even though this is like three years later. I noticed Richard Grieco, mm-hmm. the lapels on his dress shirt were colossal. Yeah. They I were hope like, that's something that doesn't come back for men. Like God. the oversized clothing, they're like, what can we make for men? Let's make everything Four sizes too big. Yeah. I want all my clothes to hang off me like a bed sheet. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Dan Hedaya's outfits were always like super cheesy and they look like a 70s printed couch. Mm-hmm. Did you have anything else in the fashion? How about dated references? Just that last scene of the movie where Doug and Steve are in their club. 
Right. I noticed everybody was wearing shiny silver plastic looking clothes. Yes. And I'm thinking it would be really warm and sticky. It would just make you sweaty. There's something about late 90s clothing that's just so, I don't know, cheap looking. Like, it's amazing. Because when I think of, like, iconic 90s clothes, I do think of, like, Clueless. Mm -hmm. Where it does look, like, really, almost, like, elegant in a way. But whereas this just looks, like, cheap and uncomfortable. And I just remember, like, 2000 having these pleather snakeskin looking pants that I got on sale in the mall. I bought them because I thought I looked like something that uh, they'd wear on Coyote Ugly. Uh-huh. And that was very popular at the time. I could see that. And I think I only wore them once. I never wore them to school because I was also the type of person that would buy something and I'm like, I'm going to wear this. And then I'd be like, I can't pull this off. <laughs> this seems like a bad idea. So I just wear them around the house. <laughs> These are my loungewear, yeah. my pleather pants. Yeah. <laughs> I could totally see them wearing that in yeah. Coyote Ugly. Did you have any data references? There was so many that I wonder if it was a kid born in 2000, so they're, you know, 21, would mm-hmm. they get some of these references? Right away, they're telling a story about meeting Emilio Estevez. Yeah. Emilio! And, yeah, and I was just like, the mighty duck man! Because they repeat the story... It's not even a good story. No. But yeah, it's always just like the mighty duck man himself. I did like when I think both of them were hooking up with Camby and... Vivica. And Vivica. And they're going through their pickup lines and they're both saying that story. Yeah. Like while they're trying to... The girls are trying to get it on with them. Yeah. Oh my God. You sound like such a like a prude little old man. They're trying to get it on with them. They're trying to have... coitus (laughs) definitely a lot of the references come from them because they'll like mention tv shows and Mm -hmm. like at one point they're like excuse me bill nye the science guy yeah and they're like good show that was a good show (laughs) when will ferrell gets pulled over by the sexy cop Mm -hmm. he calls her tj hooker yeah probably my favorite one was doug is getting into an argument with his dad and he's just like is your name Tattoo? Are you seeing planes? Because I swear to God, we're living on Fantasy Island. Uh-huh. And then again, they're like, that's a good show. Yeah. That's a good show. Good show. Good show. Um, I did like Zadir. Is mm-hmm. that his name? Yeah, Mr. Zadir. Zadir. There you go. I want to put an H in there. Oh. He would do like almost name dropping, but it was like people off screen that he'd see. Oh, Jim Carrey. Yeah. And then, oh, Anna Nicole. Yeah. The Jim Carrey one was funny because then he just went into... Doing Ace Ventura and yeah. mask lines. Right. Uh, at one point, uh, Emily, they're at the Butabi's house, and she's singing the Cheers theme song <laughs> yes. as her dad plays it on the piano. Yeah. The what? On the piano. <laughs> I don't know what you said. I said the like, p- piani? I think it's okay. Keeping it in. Yep. At the very end of the movie... When Emily and Steve are going to get married, Doug breaks up the wedding and he does like a Lloyd Dobler from Say Anything, Mm -hmm. which is so overdone in movies these days that... Yeah. But at the time, maybe not done as much, you know, isn't referenced as much. Yeah. It probably has been referenced a lot more since this. Yeah. Yeah. Also, Doug and Steve, after the wedding has been broken up and they're repairing their friendship... Or 
They're... brotherhood i guess yes they're start doing the you had me at hello speech yes. from jerry Maguire while the bruce springsteen song is playing it's really a lot of romantic comedy tropes at the end there but mm-hmm. it's but you have to keep reminding yourself it's two brothers yes yes which i guess is the joke right mm-hmm. did you have any offensive jokes i didn't me either i was very surprised maybe it's just pre you know, that let's rely heavily on like homophobic jokes mm-hmm. and, you know, anti-feminist jokes. But yeah, they weren't. The joke was all on them. Yes. They were the jokes. Mm-hmm. How about technology? I just had two. When they're walking to the plant shop, Doug and Steve, they have mm-hmm. Walkmans on. Yes. But they're like cassette Walkmans, which they're... I thought was interesting because Discmans were very much a thing at the time, you know. Discmans? Discmen. <laughs> Discman. CD players. I knew what you meant. <laughs> yeah. I'd, I did want to talk about the soundtrack because a lot of good dance jams on this, obviously. Yeah. What is love? Uh, Such a great song. Fantastic. I did love the elevator scene. It was so well done. Whoever <laughs> thought to incorporate an elevator version of that song. And then it's just, I think my favorite part about that uh, scene was they're they're nodding their heads slower because yes. the elevator music is slower. But then there's a lady in the elevator with them, and when she turns up, they, yeah, they like stop and nod. They're just they're I don't know. It's just stuff like that. It's very subtle that I find hilarious. That was the best part. Yeah, yeah. just the slight head nod that yeah. they and they just go back to bobbing their head. It was well done. Yeah. My last piece of technology was Doug and Steve kind of got disciplined by their dad, and he takes away their car and their phones. But when they storm off, Lonnie Anderson chases after them because she doesn't want them to leave without a phone. And she whips out two Zach Morris-style <laughs> yeah, cell phones. I was just going to say, yeah. the Zach Morris phone. Isn't it amazing that that phone is associated with, if you say Zach Morris cell phone, people know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, because not a lot of people had them at that time. And if you're talking about, especially like people that were younger, that's what they referenced like cell phones with. was yeah. like this cool kid zach Mm -hmm. morris had one yeah do you want to move on yes our next category is called is it even good where we talk about the plot plot holes and our funniest and cringiest moments what was the plot that's a good question ryan i don't know it's about two guys who are trying to get into a club they're trying to get into a club they get into the club probably 35 minutes into the movie. Mm-hmm. So it seems like they're setting it up as an aspiration. Like, we need to get in this club. Like, that's their ultimate goal. Yeah. They have conflict as far as they can't get in the club because they're not cool enough. Mm-hmm. But then they get into the club very easily, thanks to Richard Grieco. And then the movie just is like, what do we do now? Yeah. I don't know. Well, let's have them meet this eccentric club owner who really takes a shining to them Mm -hmm. but then what are we gonna do now they want to create their own club yeah i mean they do mention in the beginning of the movie that they do want to one day open their own club and they have all these ideas but it's very brief and it doesn't it seems like the main objective of the movie is like let's get into the roxbury Mm because it's the coolest club ever and then they get into it very easily and then you're like okay I guess this is just a string of funny moments put together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of giving away what I think about the movie, but 
Did you have any plot holes you wanted to talk about? Other than the plot constantly evolving, where it's get into the Roxbury, now it's create your own club, then it's uh, an odd wedding getting thrown together. Because there's that, you know, the tension hits, and and say if this is romantic comedy, there's always a point where the people that are getting along, they have a a falling out. Mm -hmm. So then they're by themselves and they realize, like, they're nothing without each other type thing. I think just the lack of plot is the main plot hole. But I did have one little note. So in the scene where they're having sex with Camby and Vivica, it becomes very much apparent that they're virgins. They hit on women constantly, but they're always getting denied. And I don't think they've ever been told, like, yeah, let's do this. So they've been virgins. And they don't know what to do. But... When they, like, started hooking up the girls and they meet in the hallway after they have sex. And they try to play it off like, oh, we're not virgins. No, of course I've already done this. But I'm like, you guys are always together. You guys would know as brothers that are literally always together. Yeah. If one had lost their virginity, they would know. For sure. You know? Yeah, that's a good point. And they share everything. You know, there's no secrets or anything like that. So that was a plot. I think they even share a bedroom still. Yeah. Which is weird. Also, how old are these guys supposed to be? I, the actors, I did look them up. Okay. Because there's people, I think because when I was a kid when this movie came out, I just assumed that they're older. But Chris Kattan was only like 28 when this movie came out, and Will Ferrell was 31. Okay. So, I was going to say around 30. That yeah. was going to be my guess, because they had been on SNL for a few years, so yeah. I assume they weren't that young. I was a little surprised at Chris Kattan being that young, though. Yeah. Yeah. Because I just think about how old we are now, and I'm like, man, they're pretty young. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. Did you have any other plot holes, or do you want to move on to your funniest? I'm ready to move on. I, I didn't. I didn't have a lot of plot holes. Again, lack of plot. Yeah. I guess equals less plot holes. Yeah. I felt like there was some decent chuckles in this movie, but my favorite is when Doug and Steve are outside the club and they watch a guy slip the bouncer a 20 to get in, they're like, oh, we'll do that too. So I think Doug whips out a $5 bill, and he's like, uh, Michael Clark Duncan is not amused. So then they start going, oh, what about his two friends, George Washington and George (laughs) Washington? And then Chris Kattan just goes, oh, and look who else wants to join in the party, their friend George Washington. (laughs) And then they just start adding change. Yeah. And it's just, yeah. Uh, that was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, mine would have to be when they are hooking up with Vivica and Camby. <laughs> Steve just starts making these loud noises. And he's yes. like, woo. I don't even know if I'm doing them right, but. <laughs> Boom. Yeah, there you go. Boom. And, and Vivica's like, looking at him like he's crazy and he's they're ambulance noises i can't remember the whole joke and he's like they're coming to take me away because you stopped my heart <laughs> that's what it is <laughs> they like move over to camby and doug's room and you can still hear him making the noises it's <laughs> uh, well that's done great. yeah uh what was your cringiest liner moment my cringiest moment was Everything with the wedding scene, the whole thing from the 
moment Emily's walking down the aisle and she's yelling at Lachlan Monroe's character because he's talking and then he she's yelling at her grandma to get off her phone. Yeah. I just felt like everything in this movie felt uh, flowed pretty naturally for the most part, except for that scene. I just felt it was forced and it was the whole wedding concept that gets kind of just thrown on us. They could have done without and you you didn't need the conflict between the two brothers i didn't feel like it was necessary oh it was almost like they should have been faced some sort of conflict together yeah right and then maybe had a breakup a little bit but they didn't even really face any conflict together i thought i felt like they could have done something more with they didn't know that club was being created right. that was their idea they could have went to the club and then like we need to sue this guy and go through something with that but i was like no oh here's the club i this is yours yeah i felt like maybe go that route yeah. rather than this pointless wedding yeah and they do this a lot in movies especially i'm going to bring it back to like romantic comedies is that emily Shan- molly shannon's character is a very pretty much upbeat, likable person for the first 60 minutes of the movie. Mm -hmm. And then the minute her and Steve get together, it's like she's kind of a bitch. Yeah. And she's really mean to him. It's out of left field. Right. I don't know if that's supposed to suggest that, like, you don't get to know people until you get into relationships with them. And sometimes they don't turn out to be the people you think they are. Yeah, that I felt like that was forced because they, they just wanted an excuse for them to be like, well, they're not going to get married. He obviously does want to get married to mm-hmm. her. My cringiest moment, as we went on a tangent, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, was just when uh, Steve sticks a red vine in Doug's nose and then proceeds to eat it. I'm That that stuff always grosses me out, you know? Yeah. So Any gross-out humor I'm not a fan of. Not, not like I used to be when I was 12 when this movie came out. I will say... They did it in a manner where it wasn't disgusting. It wasn't like he shoved oh, it in there and like a For sure. Big... It could have been way worse. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't that bad. Yeah. No. Did you have any random thoughts that you wanted to discuss? Yes. Right away, you even said it. You're like, I totally stole that from this movie. And that's Dan Hedea has yelled at Doug and Steve and they just go, Psh, psh, And you're like, I don't. And I'm like, yep. I've stole that from this movie as well. When I was in junior high, me and my friends would do that so much. Mm-hmm. To the point where I totally forgot it's from this fucking movie. Me and my brother will do this occasionally to each other to this day. Yeah. So, yeah, totally forgot it was from here. I did want to, I did think it was funny that met uh, Vivica and Camby at the club, and I felt like they were almost female versions of Steve and Doug. The only difference is, is they're attractive women. Mm-hmm. Which, attractive women, it's a lot easier to get into clubs. Yes. And it's just like a totally different world for them versus two desperate wannabe guys. And it was odd in the sense that they immediately were like, we need to hook up with them because they're with Mr. Zadir, so they're rich. Well, they But they did no background <laughs> on these two guys. That's true. They are rich, though. That's what I'm saying. Like, they are rich. They're just not... The rich that they were hoping they would be. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That was pretty much it. There was there were some good jokes in there, but... Yeah. My last note was, the Roxbury looked lame as hell inside. Right? Kind of a disappointment. Yeah. Where I thought the club concept that Doug and Steve had about 
the outside of the club looks like the inside. And then when you get inside the club, it looks, it looks like, like a street, street and there's mm-hmm. cars and street signs and everything. That was way cooler. Yeah. yeah. Also, it sounds like something you developed when after you, you smoked a lot of pot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, do you want to move on to our final thoughts? Let's take a quick break. Sure. Okay, we're back. And now let's move on to our final thoughts. What did you think? Did it hold up or not? I don't think it held up. But for me, it was solely because I didn't think the plot was strong enough. I think the jokes were funny. Mm -hmm. I laughed multiple times. Mm -hmm. You know, they didn't rely on like being offensive or being too outdated. I just felt like it was something that shouldn't have been made into a movie. I don't think it was strong enough. Oh, I disagree. In the sense that there was enough there that it held up, but it was very close to going the other way. It was short enough of a movie where if it maybe went another 10 minutes longer, because that whole third act of the movie was very weak, or some of it was weak, but I felt the first two acts were funny enough. But I agree with you, it was very light on the plot. Yeah. And also the fact that, again, you turned a five-minute skit from SNL that really just resulted in them bobbing their heads, trying to hook up with girls and getting thrown out of clubs every week into a 80-minute movie because it was short. Yeah. I, I think I expected more, like, objectifying of women, but I think the joke of them as characters is that they are playing kind of outrageous guys at clubs that try to grind on you. Yeah. But, you know, in a lot of cases in this movie... They're grinding on the women, but they're so aggressive that they make the woman fall over numerous times. Yeah. Obviously, that's a caricature of dudes in clubs. Mm -hmm. So I think it works because they're mocking the guys. They're not going like, let's mock the women in these clubs. We're mocking the aggressive men. Which is when I said earlier in the episode, when I predicted that it wasn't going to hold up, I was expecting mocking jokes grab as we talked about on the scary movie episode grabbing at that low-hanging fruit and just and they didn't do that yeah it was the jokes like you said they weren't the funniest jokes you'll ever hear but they were chuckles and yeah there was a lot of them Mm this will be a first oh yeah where you're gonna give out the doesn't hold up awards and i'm gonna give out the holds up awards that's true yeah so you want to introduce the first award for me yes because it's exclusively for me the first award is the valedictorian to the Nicolas Cage online school for bad acting. Whom did you give your award to? So I thought everybody in this movie did well with what they were given, but mm-hmm. I did give it to Colin Quinn for Dewey because I felt like his character was kind of an afterthought and he immediately decides that he doesn't like Stephen Doug. After, like, one meeting with him. It was kind of the villain, but he was in, like, two scenes. He wasn't really an established villain. It kind of reminded me a little bit of, like, Bradley Whitmore's character in Billy Madison. But that was an established person. Like, he hated Billy Madison. You you saw it several times, and he tried to ruin things, like, throughout the movie, where this guy just, like, kicked him out once. Yeah, and, and he's like in three scenes. Right. And he's not an important part. No, and he's in, just Colin Quinn playing Colin Quinn. Yeah. You know, that's a kind of sarcastic to him. Mm-hmm. and dry. Yeah. But that was my Nicolas Cage. 
Okay. Um, the next award for both of us would be the Thomas J. Hanks Award for Exceptional Acting. Who did you give your award to? I was a little surprised because I just assumed I'm going to give it to Will Ferrell. Right. I gave it to Chris Kattan. Okay. I felt like his character had more depth to him, and he was much less of a dimwit mm-hmm. than uh, Will Ferrell. They were both helping drive the little bit of a plot there was in this. Yeah. Uh, but also, I just kind of forgot how funny Chris Kattan was. Right. He's great with the physical humor, and it was he was very fun. Yeah. Yeah. Who did you give yours to? I gave mine to Will Ferrell because I think even though he was, I guess, the stupider of the the brothers, he, I just, anything he does is hilarious to me. Like, he does the most subtle things. And I think, like, most of my funny moments that I wrote down when they get into the, uh, the Roxbury finally, and he's just like, they always say, what's up? What's yeah. up? Yeah. And he, like, goes in overload, so he's like, what's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? And he's like, calm down. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's going, sup? One, two, three. What's up? One, yeah. two. Yeah. Um, I did also, like, and this has nothing to do with Will Ferrell, but I did like in the movie that their dad favored him yeah. over Doug, even though Doug was definitely the smart of the two, like you pointed out. And he's more driven. Yeah, but he's also more rebellious. Very, yeah. And as point. Richard Grieco, therapist to their father, mm-hmm. at the end of the movie, points out, he reminds of him, of him, so that's why he has issues with him. Yeah. It was very close for me. I think they both did well, mm-hmm. but... Yeah, I just have to give it to Will Ferrell. The next award for you mm-hmm. is the Scene Stealing Award, a.k.a. the Stanley Tucci. Who'd you give yours to? I gave it to Dan Hedaya mm-hmm. as their father. He is everything you want in a comedy dad. Right. Like you pointed out, he's great and clueless, and he's essentially probably playing the same exact character, yeah. except now he owns a plant store instead of being a lawyer. Yeah. Just he played fantastic off of Chris Kattan and Will Ferrell and even Lonnie Anderson as their mom. Mm-hmm. It was really well casted, I would say. Yeah. So, I just thought he was a lot of fun. I agree. I mm-hmm. agree with that assessment. Yeah. So yeah, might be our first one we didn't agree on for season three. Yeah, first one, and I mean for the most part we usually do. So it's we yeah. were disagreeing tonight. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> We didn't pick movies again. We did not. Yeah. But we will throw them up on a poll. Yeah, that's true. So don't forget to check out our stories, our Instagram stories at Ruining Our Childhood mm-hmm. uh, to check out our poll. It'll and be up on Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. And thanks for listening. As always, guys, don't forget to, you know, rate, review, subscribe, whatever. Show some love to us. Yeah. Comment on our s- stories or whatever. I don't know. Just... Do what you want. I'm not going to force you. You know what you guys should do? Have a great week. That's true. Keep being positive and just have a great week. Yeah. And yeah. Okay. 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 Bye. Bye.